What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Dynasty Diehards. We're here. It is Combine Week, John. It is Combine yeah, Week. Man. It's when we get to see all of these guys work out. We get to hear them talk. We get, The teams get to interview them. And we've got some other stuff going on at the Combine, too, which isn't rookie-related, which is pretty exciting. I hope you guys liked the new drop. I uh, got a little bit more intense with it there, a little bit more theatrical. Um Hope you enjoyed it. All right, guys. So <laughs> that's about all I can. That's really all that's I can it. say about it, right? Yeah, that's it. It's all new. right. Enjoy yeah, it. We hope you fun. liked it. It's new. Yeah. It's fun. We've got a lot to talk about, guys. And make yeah. sure you're not missing an episode. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to the Razball channel so you catch us every week. You'll get notifications. We get the show set up way ahead of time so you know when to tune in every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. John, I think we should just uh, go ahead and get into it. We've got some NFL news and notes. Yeah, man. So, ding. ding. So, outside of the combine, <laughs> there hasn't been a ton going on, but we do have a few nuggets of news that I think could be significant. First, we're going to start with the Denver Broncos. They have solidified their defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. We talked a little bit about that last week, but then they just announced that Joe Lombardi is taking over as the offensive coordinator in Denver. If you're not familiar with Joe Lombardi, he was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers last season. And it seemed like Justin Herbert just couldn't get going. So now we've got this guy who couldn't get a dynamic offense in Los Angeles going, staying within the division, coming to a Denver team that needs a spark. Are you concerned about any of these Denver players, John, in Dynasty? Like, are you looking at like, well, this isn't going to be good. Maybe I should sell them now while their value is still high. I, I'm kind of torn. I'm not really moving in either direction off this hire because I really wonder how much of this is going to be Lombardi running the offense and how much of it is going to be Sean Payton's offense, kind of like the Kansas City situation with Eric Bieniemy. but Andy Reid was really the one orchestrating most of it. It's kind of a team effort, right, for them to like put together their offense and call plays and stuff like that. So I don't really know. I mean, Sean Payton worked with Drew Brees, a shorter quarterback for his entire career and put together great offenses there. So to me, I don't really think that the Lombardi hiring moves it either direction for me. I'm kind of still just in a holding pattern. I might actually be trying to acquire like Jerry Judy in particular, if there's a panicked manager out there that's trying to move off him. Other than that, though, I'm kind of just standing pat on Denver right now. So that's where I'm at too. And especially because of what we saw with Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson, how they developed develop that rapport towards the end of last season. <clears throat> and to your point, this is Sean Payton's offense. So Lombardi is essentially going to be the enemy. I don't think he's going to be calling plays. I can't see him calling plays. I think that's going to be Payton. Payton mostly called the plays in new Orleans. So yeah, I'm not really worried either. Uh, I'm, I'm always worried about Cortland Sutton, but that's a totally separate issue. <laughs> So next I think, thing, I think Lombardi, I think Lombardi is more like a uh, AFC West, like consigliere, like let's bring him in because he's worked in this division before. And maybe he has some kind of inside information about how they attack the defenses in the division over the last few years, stuff like that. But I think this is Sean Payton's offense. So I'm not, I'm not really that worried. Yep. I want to shout out Mr. Scampers down there in the chat. Good afternoon to you, sir. He says, I wouldn't be surprised if Lombardi jumped at the shot to learn more than anything. And yeah. I think this is probably a fair point because Sean Payton is such a fantastic seasoned coach. He's got a yeah. track record of success. He's got a track record of successful offenses. <clears throat> Maybe this turns Lombardi around. Maybe this is 
he does a really good job in Denver for a couple seasons and he, they let him call plays somewhere else. Maybe this really is like an Eric B arc. It yep. very well could be. So the next thing up in the news, we got word that Leonard Fournette and Kenny, Kenny Galladay are both set to be released. Are you shocked? First of all, are you shocked by either one of these moves? Um, I mean, not really because we, uh, now listen, Galladay has been a train wreck for years. Like to me, it was a matter of like finally cutting bait, even though their offensive weapons suck in that receiving room. It was still just a matter of like, he, he was the thing that was lurking over their heads that they just needed to get rid of and move on from. So that doesn't really surprise me. Leonard Fournette a little bit. I know that they're in a really bad cap situation in Tampa Bay and that they're trying to kind of turn the page and give themselves some more flexibility. Tom Brady just retired and I get that, but he's been really good for them for multiple years. I know that he was less effective this season than he was the years prior. So I kind of, I get where they're going with it and trying to get cheaper and younger, but that one still was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser to me. Like, Oh wow. Okay. Fournette's out there. That's just another running back in the free agent pool in already a really stacked running back, you know, class of free agents this year. I think it's interesting to say the least. I'm not really shocked by it. though. See, I wasn't shocked by Galladay at all. And I oddly, I wasn't shocked by Fournette either. I've been saying this for weeks that this is a team that needs to get younger. They lost Tom Brady. I feel like they're going to move Mike Evans. And I'm concerned that we start to see that Julio Jones arc with Mike Evans. Maybe that's a little bit of a hot take, but I could see it happening. I know, but I did some, I looked into this a little bit and they're both kind of at the same, he's at the same age where Evans or where Jones started to kind of fall and their stats are eerily similar and they're really good stretches. The only time Julio Jones didn't catch or the only time Julio Jones didn't have a thousand yards receiving the two seasons in a nine year stretch, he was hurt and it was his rookie season. So I could see it happening. However, do you think this signals in Tampa Bay, a belief in Rashad white? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think they like what they have in him enough that they're like, okay, this is a guy that's going to factor into our offense next year. I, I'm not buying the Rashad White is suddenly a three-down running back hype. Like, I'm just, I'm just not in on that. I'm actually trying to sell high on Rashad White based on the hype of this news in multiple leagues. Because to me, if I can get an early 2023 second or if I can even squeeze out a late first, for Rashad White just based on the hype where they're like, hey, it's his backfield now and he's going to run with it. I'm willing to do that because like I just mentioned, there are so many free agent running backs and there's a really, really deep draft class of running backs. I don't think there's any way that they don't add one, maybe even two more running backs to this roster before the season starts. And Rashad White maybe has a similar workload that he did last year, maybe a little bit more, four more touches a game, something like that. But I don't think this is a guy that's going to go out there and get 18 to 20 touches per game for this offense. I don't know that I agree with you though, John, because when we saw him get the higher volume of touches last season, <clears throat> he crushed it. Uh, if you can hear me, my headphones just died. Hold on. Nope, 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 nope. That's fun. I was on mute, John. You're good. <laughs> See guys, this is the fun <clears throat> of That's live streaming. You can you hear me now? Jesus Christ. Oh, well, we lost John's headphones, so that's fun, guys. He'll come back. He'll be back. We'll get this figured out. What I was going to say, is, as far as Rashad White goes, here's kind of where I'm at on this guy. And I do believe this is a team that believes in him because he did look really, really good last season. 
when he got those that heavier volume of carries. John, we got you back, bud. Uh, yes, my fully charged headphones decided to die. I'm not sure how that. Oh, happened. Um, well, that's that's fun. So we're going headphones the rest of the way. Hey, look, you can see my ears for the rest of the show. That's fantastic. That's a very good point. That's great. I, you have so, great ears. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm sorry for that. Um, I don't know where you kind of cut off, but what I was saying is I don't see him as being a bell cow back. What are, what are your kind of thoughts on that? You know, I kind of, I think he could possibly be. Hmm. It, it was at week 10 against Seattle, 22 carries for 105 yards. He's pretty efficient. And if he can turn some of those carries into red zone carries into touchdowns, he could be a three down back. We saw the pass catching ability too. I mean, Tom Brady trusted him. So I think this is a team that believes in Rashad White. That said, I do think that they still still are going to bulk up on running backs. He's yeah. not the biggest back in the world, six foot two fourteen. I mean, it's good size, but it's not Derrick Henry size. So I'm going to be interested to see what Tampa Bay does here, I, all around. And I think this cut just signals we've got to get younger. We're going to let his contract go. We're going to free that money up because we're already strapped for cash. Right. So we'll see. Now, here's my question about Kenny Galladay. Do you think there's somewhere he lands that um, maybe helps so him become a little bit more fantasy relevant? He's dead to me. Okay. I have, I have zero interest in Kenny Galladay. Like, I don't care where he signs. It doesn't matter to me. If he were to sign with the Chiefs tomorrow, I'm still not buying. Like, I, well, he has given me absolutely zero ability that he has any confidence in himself on the field to be able to perform and catch the ball, which is kind of important for wide receivers. So, to me, I've got – no interest of Kenny Galladay. I have zero shares. I will not acquire any shares. He's just off my radar completely. I've never owned a single share of Kenny Galladay. In one I think I had ever. one like two years ago, maybe. And that was the last time. Yeah, I even named a team going on Galladay without having him on my <laughs> roster. So nice. there you go. I, I'm with you. I, I just don't. He had one good season in Detroit. His, his value got overinflated. And he's been not on the field really for the last two seasons. So it makes sense. I don't even know. He might be one of those guys who kind of floats out there, maybe signs with the team like right before camp. I don't think he gets picked up here at the beginning of free agency or I don't think, really I don't, at all. I don't think so either. I don't think that he gets a job. And again, he might, if there's a preseason injury or something like that, maybe a team tries to bring him in on a one-year deal or something, but I just don't see the value for him. I don't know what people were thinking that they nicknamed him baby Tron. Like let's put him in the shadow of arguably the greatest wide receiver of all time in Detroit. <laughs> like what are we doing giving him the nickname baby Tron off one good season? When, people love to, like, they love like, to do it. God, it made no sense to me whatsoever. I just think that they heaped way too much pressure on the guy. It just, it didn't add up, but yeah, he's someone that I'm, I'm not interested in getting any shows. Of. So what do you think the giants are going to do? here at wide receiver. Do you think they're happy with just rolling with Wandale and Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James? Are they going to make a splash in free agency with the wide receiver? What do you think they're going to do now? Now, I think a lot of this is predicated on what they decide to do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in free agency. I know that they, they are trying to keep both. Danny Dimes inexplicably is asking for $45 million a year. I don't know what kind of weed he's smoking and where I can get some. But that is just outrageous to me that he's looking to be the highest big quarterback in the NFL on a per year basis. That's stupid. He, he took steps forward and that was exciting. And I think it gives a lot of credit to Brian Dable and what he's able to do in, in designing offenses and developing a quarterback. So if they can 
find a number that they're happy to and they they keep Daniel Jones at quarterback, then I think they've got to get a wide receiver. And I think they're a contender to go first round wide receiver in the draft. I think that they could be looking at that option to bring in a young stud to continue to grow this offense with, with Daniel Jones. Well, and there's plenty of wide receiver talent for them to do that in the first round. And really what else, what else do they have to go after in the first round? They do need to get it. They need to get one of those big name receivers. Who do you think, who do you think they're looking at right now? Uh, It's, it's tough because Isaiah Hodgins is tall, but not overly fast. Uh, Wandale Robinson is small and very fast. So I could see them kind of not trying to get a, I don't think they have a prototype in mind. You know what I mean? I think if someone that is really tall and has good speed that can take the top off of defense is there, they can go that route. I think if Jackson Smith and Jigba is available to them in the draft somehow, I think that they can go that route and be like, Hey, cool. We'll take the route runner that can get open a lot. So I think they have a lot of flexibility with the type of wide receiver that they add to this offense, but I think they need someone that gets open. They need someone that can separate to give Daniel Jones a friendly target. So to me, a wide receiver that they look at and say, Hey, this is a guy that knows how to separate that can create space for our quarterback. I think those are going to be the traits that they prioritize, whether that guy is five eleven or six, four. No, I, I agree. And that's what they need to do. <clears throat> now, what scares me about the giants right now is if they don't get Saquon, but they keep Danny dimes because now he's taking away an element. Times running for a thousand yards. <laughs> right. Right. So it, it, just, it concerns me if you take away that dynamic running game from Daniel Jones, is he still a good quarterback? Yeah, I, I think that remains to be seen, right? And they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Maybe they're now, I, I think they're going to franchise tag him if nothing else happens. So I think at the worst case scenario, we're looking at Daniel Jones for at least one more year as the Giants quarterback. So let's just let's assume that that's the case. And let's also assume that Saquon Barkley is gone. Are they going to spend money in the free agency class at running back? Are they going to go try to draft someone in the mid rounds? Cause this is a very deep running back class. I'm not sure, but all of a sudden, if they do tag Daniel Jones and remember Daniel Jones just hired the same agency that did the negotiations for Dak Prescott, Prescott, Prescott is a city in Arizona where my parents live and it's spelled exactly the same way. And I've, <laughs> I've struggled with that for like three years. Dak Prescott they went through the negotiations with him where he was tagged in consecutive years. So if Daniel Jones does get the tag balls out without Saquon Barkley, then all of a sudden maybe he he is worthy of a bigger contract afterwards and they have to pay him that to keep him. So I think, I, I don't know. I'm kind of inclined to think that they don't bring Saquon back, but they do bring Daniel Jones back. I think that's the way I see it happening. Um, which would be very interesting to me and it puts them in the market for a round three, round four running back. Absolutely. Okay. I love it. Now I'm kind of tired about talking about the giants. So we're going to move on here. So interesting news today. Saw it this morning on NFL network. Derek Carr met with the Carolina Panthers at the combine in Indianapolis yesterday and was meeting with the New York jets at the combine today. John, which landing spot do you think makes the most sense between these two teams? Jets, and it's not particularly close for me, and I hate analysts that say that, but that's the truth. Um, I would love them to go to the Jets. I think that they're ready to go if they have a quarterback that's at least competent, and I, I think that Derek Carr is a pretty good quarterback. I don't hate him. like I, He gets way too much negative attention on social media for seemingly no reason to me. I think he's a very capable quarterback with a strong arm that, for the most part, makes good decisions. He'll turn it over from time to time, but he's a hell of a lot better than anything that they had in the building in New York last year. 
And I think he comes in with what they've put together on both sides of the ball. And this is a playoff team, which is shocking to say about the Jets, but they look the part. So I would love to see him go to the Jets. I would love it for my Garrett Wilson shares. Um, I would I would love to see him go there. And I think that he would be a fringe quarterback one with those pieces. Well, and I, th- I think the biggest thing in New York that he didn't have in Vegas is an offensive line. Yeah. Protection, time to throw the ball, not getting rushed out of the pocket. He'll have time to sit back, survey the field, and make good decisions but- <clears throat> where he hasn't exactly had that in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I agree with you. The Jets are the best landing spot. The most weapons, the better defense. Carolina looked better towards the end of last season. But that was because they were running the ball 40 times a game. Exactly. So you don't need, you don't even need a Derek Carr. You, right. They might as well just stick with Sam Darnold. If which that's actually, what they're going to do. I saw today that they're looking to 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 sign Sam Darnold again. I don't think we're talking like a, a massive contract. Right. Of course not. Like Sam Darnold as as a backup in that system. So I think that Carolina doesn't even know what they're doing at quarterback. They're talking to Derek Carr. They're signing Sam Darnold. They could try to draft one. I just know that they don't have the quarterback that they need in the building and that they're going to look to get one one way or another. So if they lose out on the Derek Carr sweepstakes, then I think Carolina is really a hot name to watch for a trade-up candidate in the first round to, to try to make sure they get one of the top guys. So you don't think that Matt Corral's the guy? I don't. I just – I didn't see it in college. I know that there's some people out there that like him. I don't think that he is. I think that we're looking at a similar guy as Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, which is a fill-in quarterback that didn't get good draft capital. So, I mean, Matt maybe gets a shot. If they don't get Derek Carr, I could see them trading up and drafting a guy, and then you have Corral and this rookie battling out in camp for the starting job, and I think either, any of the top quarterbacks that, that get drafted this year would beat out Corral in camp. So I think that Corral's, I think he's kind of a perennial backup guy. I just don't see him as being a long-term starter. You know, I'm going to be honest. His name doesn't sound like a starting quarterback's name. Matt Corral sounds more like a backup. So I'm with you. And I agree. Hey, I, name name <laughs> analysis, man. Name analysis. Yeah. Matt Barkley. Matt Ryan's a backup now. So there you go. Will be if he even plays. So and one more thing. You mentioned Desmond Ritter. The Atlanta Falcons are releasing Marcus Mariota. Not really super shocking. Thought maybe they'd keep him around to have him compete with Ritter and Camp, but obviously they're not going to do that. So what are the Falcons doing now, John? They, do you think that they want to see what Ritter does over a full season? Or are they going to go after something in the draft? I kind of think they're going to roll with Ritter. I, I just have an inkling that that's the way that they're looking at this and going, hey, we, we think that he showed some flashes last year and maybe we can give it a try. And if not, it's kind of a similar situation to what we talked about with the Washington commanders and Sam Howell. Uh, I think that was last week's show that we brought that up. Maybe it was two weeks ago yep. of him taking over. And honestly, if he bombs out and they have a top pick and they can draft a quarterback in 2024, then great. If not, and they find their answer and what they have in the room, then great. So I think it's a similar situation in Atlanta, right? He's either going to prove to be worth it or he's not. And then they're going to move on after that. So you can make an argument that Carolina could do the same thing, but it just doesn't sound like that's how they're treating this offseason with all the meetings with Carr and with everything that, that they've kind of said, it doesn't sound like they want to go that path. Cause I think they think they're a playoff team if they have a quarterback. So I think that's why they're willing to push a little bit harder to try and get Derek Carr. 
Well, let's be honest here. The NFC South, they could all be playoff teams because it's a terrible division. So it really does come back. I think it does come down to who has the better quarterback this season. And in that division, I, I don't know. Is Kyle Trask the best quarterback in the NFC South right now? Maybe. I don't know. He could like, be. He could be. We have no idea. It's it's a wide open division. And it, I think any of them, other than, sadly, I just don't think Atlanta has the pieces other than a quarterback to make a playoff run. But I think Carolina, they show that they can play some pretty good defense and that they can run the ball. You put a quarterback in there, sure, they can maybe win the division. Tampa Bay, you can say the same thing there. New Orleans, who knows what they're doing? They're a bit of a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> a bit. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they all do at quarterback this offseason. So, the NFC South, the dumpster of the NFL, for now, anyway, was the NFC East. So, it's just kind of – it's going counterclockwise. So, where are we next? West. And it's – Yep, off to the NFC West to be dumps for a few seasons. All right, no, guys, note it. Keep it on a calendar so you can make sure you keep up with the rotating cycle of crap divisions of the NFC. Perfect. We, f- we figured it out. All right, John, now let's move on to our next section of the show. We're going to talk about the NFL Combine. Events are already underway. <clears throat> We've had things going on for the last two or three days, but the important part starts tomorrow for us for fantasy analysts, unless you're IDP, because we start seeing the skill position players doing drills, interviews, talking to the media. So my first question, well, the first thing I want to bring up was the news this morning that Jalen Carter has been charged with two misdemeanor counts of reckless driving and endangerment. Now, given what we know about the accident, this could have been a lot worse. And you hope that he wasn't involved the way that they say they, he was, now he's going to miss the combine. <clears throat> That's going to hurt his value a little, but a lot of teams are high in him anyway. But my question is, how far down do you think he falls? Yeah. Given that they're misdemeanor charges, we've seen much worse than this. We have, but it's rough. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to give credence to Mel Kuyper saying that the guy has character concerns because Mel Kuyper just says a lot of shit that I don't agree with. Right. And he made his comment about character concerns before this accident actually happened. So they're not related. Right. Um, But listen, my team's the Chicago Bears. I would wear this hat, except for the fact that I'm growing my hair out and it no longer fits my head. Need to buy a new one. Um, My team's the Chicago Bears. Jalen Carter has been one of the top names linked to the Bears, either sticking at one or trading down inside the top four and then potentially getting Carter anyways in in the draft. To me, it's a real concern. Um, It's not great. And if you're going to use a top five pick in the NFL draft on a guy, you need to make sure that everything is buttoned up and that there are no issues. There's no potential legal ramifications. This isn't an ongoing thing. He, the the issue, it was at like two 30 in the morning or something like that in Athens, Georgia. And he went to university of Georgia, obviously. And he and another car were racing through the streets. The driver of the other car had like a 0.197 or something like that blood alcohol content after the accident. Those are concerns. That's a real issue in terms of character. Like, are we going to make a franchise cornerstone out of a player who's acting incredibly immaturely and making horrible decisions like this? Those teams are going to have to answer those questions. And how much does that matter compared to his talent? Because he's an incredibly talented interior defense alignment. So for me, I don't love it for the Bears. To me, it's enough to move the needle that I'd rather have Will Anderson than Jalen Carter because to me, I had them at very similar values. Right. 
So how far does he fall? I don't know. Philly at 10 feels like the floor. But then again, we had Laramie Tunsil when he was getting drafted at offense alignment and the, the video of the gas mask bong came out. Yeah. He, he was projected to be a top 10 pick, and I forget where he went. Late first? I think he fell to like 26, 27, something like that. Yeah. So you, you just don't know how much these teams are going to see this as, a, as an issue. And if they have two players that they feel similarly about, well, you lean the other guy if they don't have these issues off the field. So Philly at 10 kind of feels like the floor. I would say Cleveland because we know their history with uh, moral ethics, but they gave their first round picks to Houston. So I don't know. I, I feel like he's still a top def- top 10 to 15 draft pick, but I have a hard time thinking he goes top five if this stuff's still going on and it's not cleared up before the draft. Well, I exactly. If it's not cleared up before the draft, there's no way he's a top five pick, but I think you're right. He stays in the top 10. My takeaway from this and where my concern lands is, First of all, you're street racing. But second of all, we just saw what happened with Henry Ruggs less than a year ago, less than six months ago. Yep. So as someone who is aspiring to be an NFL player, to go out and do something like that, yeah, just ahead of the NFL draft, that concerns me. It's like, come on, dude, use your brain. And what other kind of trouble is he going to get into when he starts getting all this cash and notoriety after he gets drafted into the NFL? And I don't think teams put that into consideration enough because I think they feel like, oh, well, but he's going to be under, you know, our wing. We're going to take care of him. We're going to make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. But the teams can't be with these players 24-7. I mean, we saw Von Miller starting his career getting a bunch of trouble. The team couldn't do anything about it until DeMarcus Ware came in and slapped him around a little bit. So if I'm a GM and I'm thinking about drafting him in those first 10 picks, I need to know I've got that DeMarcus Ware type player on my defense already that's going to keep this kid in line, keep him out of trouble, make him a good part of the community in wherever city he lands. So where where does that make sense? Philly. They got a lot of veteran guys there that can be like, hey, cool, you're talented. Talent doesn't, you know, overshadow everything in the NFL. Get your shit together and keep straight and narrow. Exactly. You've got veterans like Hassan Reddick. You've got – Jason Kelsey, guys who are character guys. So I think it makes sense. And Joe, who will be on this show soon, hopefully, yeah. we're working on it. Um, he should be pretty excited about that. Yeah. Eagles fan, I'm sure that he'd be thrilled as long as uh, issues are cleared up before that. Right. And that's the big thing that needs to be addressed. And not to gloss over the fact that two people did die in this accident. And right. it's a very tragic, tragic accident. We don't want to gloss over that. Lives matter more than football. Yep. But that said, it's kind of our job to talk about this stuff. So, you know, we got to do it. Uh, just wanted that little bit of context in there before we move on. Absolutely. Next thing we've got, John, you brought this up to me today and I didn't know it, but apparently prize picks right now has some props on the 40 yard dash times. Yeah. And uh, hashtag not a sponsor. We don't have any sort of yes. promo code. We got no. no affiliation with this whatsoever, but I thought it was very interesting to, to see it pop up. You got 40 time uh, props over on prize picks. If you're so inclined there's two reasons to bring it up one because it's really fun to bet and make money um but two i think it just where they set the line tells you a little bit about the type of athlete that we're looking at and there's a couple names that i that i really want to bring up uh jordan addison wide receiver usc to some the best wide receiver in the draft if not a top three guy to most people yep. um is projected to run a 4440 to me i think he might squeak under that i think he's got long speed 
Um, and I think that he can really shift into that gear and he might be able to break four, four, but that's what the line is set for him. Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, they haven't projected at a four, three flat four, three Oh 40 time. And he is a burner that absolutely took the top off defenses in Tennessee this year. Um, some other names that we've talked about on this show that I think are worth mentioning Zay flowers projected at a four, three, seven. He'll be, that'll, that'll play. Josh Downs, a 4-3-8. Um, at the running back position, Devin Oshane. Now, we know he's a track guy. He has a track background. So don't double count pluses. You know what I mean? Like, you already know he's fast. So if he runs a blazing fast 40 time, that shouldn't change your opinion right. of who the player is. But they've got the line set at a 4 2 for Devin Oshane, which is just that's speed. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. It's something you just said, John, that I think is very interesting. And this is my, always been my issue with the combine is that in a vacuum, these guys can do these things, but I care what the guy does when he catches the ball. Can he get past the corner? Can he break through the safety? Does he have that elite burst to do that? 40 yard times, of course, are great, especially for guys who are going to be returning kicks. Cause you like to see that initial speed, that initial takeoff. Yep. But it's all, just remember, guys, don't freak out about a lot of this combine stuff. Because remember how small Kenny Pickett's hands were? Seems to be kid seems to be doing okay. Joe Burrow, man. Joe he, Burrow. He put out the cryptic tweet, the uh, the joking <clears throat> tweet after his combine hand measurement. He goes, "Well, I guess I should consider retirement now because apparently my hands are too small yeah. to grip football." Yeah. Just an elite tweet. It doesn't mean everything, but it it does matter. And the thing is, it matters to NFL teams because the NFL is obsessed with speed. Mm-hmm. So that's why Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver drafted in his draft class over CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson. Yep. Because he ran in the four twos. So these guys, it matters for, for draft stock. It matters for draft capital, which is weird to me because the 40 time is its own skill. Like how you run the 40 is its own skill. It's not a football skill. You're not starting in a three point stance as a running back or wide receiver and, and bursting like that's right. not, that's not a natural football movement for them, but it does, you know, it shows their speed. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both ran in the high four threes at mm-hmm. last year's combine. And they oh, were- how could I forget? Yeah, man. It's burning in my brain. We are, we are obsessed with the combine here. So I am curious to see how it goes. Another one in the opposite direction. Bijan Robinson is going to be really interesting to watch because his long speed isn't his calling card. Now to me, I was a big Jonathan Taylor truther coming out of college and I loved him. And when he shows up to the combine at 510, about 220, and he ran a 43940, I was like, check, 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 size, speed, great, awesome, love it, because it shows on tape. Bijan, though, is not going to run a 43940. His line is set at a 447. And if he doesn't crack 4-5, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't I either. think that he's a 452 type of running back to me. And that's Fine, he's still an elite running back prospect, even if he doesn't run a blazing bass 40 time. Well, how fast do you think Jerome Bettis's 40 time is? The was. Bus? The I don't bus. know. Is he like a 4-8? He's probably like an offensive lineman <laughs> time. You know? I don't know, dude. That guy had some wheels. If you watch his highlight tapes, he he had some like back end speed, but it was just I, the momentum had to get going though. Yes, like, exactly. Train in motion before he gets down. The it's kind of like me. I need momentum and I need to be slightly downhill with some wind at my back Backwards. to really get, to really get it going. All right. So we've talked about these 40, 40 times. 
Yeah. Something that's been talked about is players who aren't going to show up or who aren't going to participate in drills. <clears throat> For you, who's the most notable no-shows this year? Um, it's it's kind of tough. I really um, – I was really hoping that Lou Nichols out of Central Michigan was going to get an invite. He's a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a bit of an obscure name and not everyone's heard it, but he's he's listed at 5'11", 222. He's a big old powerful running back that I thought showed some pretty good athleticism. I really thought that he should have gotten a combine invite. And he's like the only running back, you know, in the top 20 to 25 at the position in the country that didn't get the invite. And I was kind of bummed about that one. So I'm disappointed we're not going to see him. Um, let's see. Who else opted out of, of doing any drills? Well, we've got this in the chat here from Jamie Parag. Breaking news: Jason's yeah. not running the forty at the combine. So that's that's interesting. I, I don't. Some of these guys, though, I don't know that it really affects their value. You know, for JSN, it's not his forte. That actually just came out. I see Roster Watch twelve minutes ago while we were recording, um, saying from multiple sources makes us believe JSN is unlikely to run the forty at the combine. I don't think that it's like fully confirmed maybe yet i don't know this is this is news to me while we're recording but it wouldn't surprise me because he's not he's not a burner and i think that running the 40 would only hurt his draft stock because he's not fast he's a great route runner so to me if he went out there and he ran it and he's running a four five eight forty or a four six or or above teams might go whoa but again not every running back has to um Cooper Cup was like a 4740 guy. Right. Like he's not a burner, but he understands how to route run. And that's JSN's calling card as well. So it's it's really to me, it's an on an individual basis for most players. Because if you're really good at the 40, you should probably run it. Because if you can show that you're really fast, teams are gonna like that. But if you're not and you have other things that you can hang your hat on and you don't need to prove other skills don't run the 40 time. If you're one of these fringe guys and you're trying to scrape every, you know, pick out of your draft stock that you can, then you go out there and you do everything that you can to improve your draft stock. JSN to me is still a first round wide receiver. If he slips into the second, he's a steal for whatever team drafts him. It's not really, not really shocking to me. So now let's talk about who do you think stands to gain the most from this weekend? there's like one or two players to stand out that you think are going to skyrocket up draft boards for teams. I, if let's, let's stay at running back. Uh, Israel, Izzy Abanaconda um, out of pit. I love him. He's great. He's like six foot two fifteen. I'm curious to see what he weighs in at, but he has really good athleticism. Um, he has really good explosiveness and agility. And I think that if he comes out there and he runs a good 40 time and shows well in his other athletic testing, like the three cone and stuff like that, I think that he could really stand to, to gain some value and could be a day two pick. So there's, there's all kinds of players that I think can really help themselves. I think if Josh Downs goes out there and runs a, a sub four four forty, he's a first round draft pick. I think Jalen Hyatt, same thing can be a first round draft pick. Marvin Mims is a guy wide receiver out of Oklahoma that I don't think is getting a whole lot of love. From people, I haven't really heard his name much, but he's one of the best deep threats in this class. And that's a specific type of wide receiver that NFL teams need, just like a Henry Ruggs, why he got drafted first overall, is because he's crazy fast and he stretches out defenses for your offense. So maybe he's not the best fantasy upset, but in terms of helping an NFL team, 
I think teams are there's going to be teams out there that love what Marvin Mims can do for their offense. So I think there's a lot of players that can really help themselves. One I'm looking at, and I kind of brought him up with you earlier, is Parker Washington out of Penn State. <clears throat> you had mentioned him earlier as well. Yeah. I wrote him up for the in-between show last night. Look, he hasn't gotten a lot of love. He's a little bit short. He's 5'10", 215. He's short but stout. But, yep. dude, but he's a, he's a perfect slot receiver. I think he can slide into an NFL offense year one and be a contributor. And like His numbers weren't flashy. He was 46, 6'11", and 2 last season. In a horrible Penn State offense. In a no horrible point. Penn State offense. Exactly. He still averaged 13.3 yards per catch. That's healthy. Like, those are good standards. In the Big Ten, first, by the way. In the Big Ten, yeah. as a slot receiver, averaging 13.3 yards per catch is pretty impressive to me. Here's the other thing I loved. His catch rate, 69.7%. Nice. Nice. And a contested catch rate of 71.4% which to me, that's really important for a slot receiver because there are going to be so many contested catches at that position, more than you're going to see in an X receiver. So he's, I feel like he could hop into the second round if he shows out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I would love that for him. Um, You know who he kind of reminds me of? Not not an identical match, but like a little bit of a Monroe St. Brown. Sure. Like he's not a sure. flashy slot receiver, but he's a really good one. And I think that if he had actual quarterback play in that offense at Penn State, he would be getting a lot more love. His stats would look a lot better than they were. So Amon Ra, to me, inexplicably lasted to the fourth round. I was sitting there on day two, like why I'm pounding my desk. Why has no one taken Amon Ra St. Brown? Parker Washington, to me, kind of similar. I don't think he's as good as a Monroe, but I think that he's a really solid slot receiver that runs good routes. Not great. He's going to run well, not great. He's just a good all around wide receiver. I think that he profiles as a pretty good slot at the next level too. Yeah. I really like that comp. Uh, I love a Monroe and I couldn't understand why people were so down on him. (laughs) It just didn't make sense to me, but I mean, he's kind of proven everybody wrong at this point. So I love him. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. No, I was a big fan. He was actually, I think he was the first rookie profile I ever wrote nice. for uh, the old fantasy intervention site. So yeah. <clears throat> if anybody remembers that. Okay. So now is there, is there anybody who you think they're going to, their stock's going to drop after this combine? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I've got a weird feeling that Zach Charbonnet is going to hurt. That's exactly who I was going to talk about. Like, I don't, I don't get it with him. I don't get why people love him so much. I don't know why he's being great. He's, he's a tank. And that's sure. why. when he's in the open field, he's just a freight train and you get out of his way. There's defensive backs making business decisions when they go to tackle him. And that's his calling card. And he can do that really well. And I think he can do it well at the next level. But I don't know, man, if I'm looking at Zach Charbonnet and I'm looking at Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson. To me, I think Roshan's a better running back. I think he's more complete. And that is going to piss off so many people because everyone loves them some Zach Charbonnet. And they have him as high as like the RB2 in this class behind Bijan. And Roshan Johnson is like nowhere to be found on most people's rankings. But to me, if Zach Charbonnet goes in the second and Roshan Johnson goes in the third, which is very possible that that could happen. Roshan to me, I think is a fringe round three, round four guy, something like that. If that happens, there's a really good chance that Roshan Johnson could find himself in a better landing spot than Zach Charbonnet and have a work a workhorse role 
and Charbonnet is maybe split in time with a pass catching back. I don't know. I think this could be a much closer conversation in August than it is right now for a lot of people. And I want to bookmark that and come back to it in six months if I'm right. <laughs> that's so I had an interesting conversation last night with uh, my boy, Seth, and everyone knows Herms over at Draft Sharks. Is there to you, because there is to me, is there a different when, difference when you're looking at running backs in like the Pac-12 or the ACC versus a running back who's in the SEC or like the Big Ten? Like, because the competition's different. It is. In those conferences. And that's kind of, that's, that's part of my issue with Charbonnet is he's been in the Pac-12. Yeah. And there's a lot of soft defense in the Pac-12. And that's where he plays the majority of his games is against soft defenses in the Pac-12. Like Mike CU buffs and he has big games. I just yeah, don't. I mean, there, there, is a, there is a difference for sure. Um, the running backs that play in the Big Ten and play in the SEC are going against really close to NFL defenses on a week in, week out basis. I mean, Georgia last year, their defense, what they sent like what seven players to the NFL draft off their yeah. starting defense last year, something ridiculous like that. So the thing about Sharbs is that. He balled out all year. And it's really kind of hard to ignore that because in 10 games, he had 1,359 rushing yards, seven yards a carry. I'm looking at his his game logs right now, and he had over 100 yards in all but two games on the ground. He's a guy that you just give the ball to 20 times, and he's going to bruise his way, and he's going to punish defenders, and he's going to wear people down. So there's reason to really like Zach Charbonnet. But the teams that he went against this year, outside of the Pac-12, their non-conference games were Bowling Green and South Alabama. My point. And in the Pac-12, Utah, great defense. Now, the good thing that he has going for him is that Utah was his best game of the year, which is crazy. Other than touchdowns, touchdowns are fluky. I'm just talking about like on a yards per yards, carry right, right, right. and total production basis. Against Utah, really good defense. 22 carries, a buck 98 and a touchdown. So he did it against some good competition when it mattered. But then, like, against South Alabama, he only had 78 rushing yards. And it's like, what just happened? So I don't know. He's a freight train in the open field. I do like him. I have him ranked higher than Roshan Johnson. I'm not going that crazy. But I'm saying that this this could be a much closer conversation, especially because Sharps is not fast. So if he runs the 40 time and he's a 4-6 running back, which could happen because he's like, we were talking about with Jerome Bettis needs to get up to speed. Like he needs to get the wheels in motion. And then he's got long, long speed. He actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Derrick Henry in that sense where it's like, it can take Henry three steps to get going. But then once he's going, he's really hard to slow down because he's really big and he's, he's got pretty good long speed. Charbonnet is kind of that way too. So the interesting, I, I guess I feel like it could go either way with Charbonnet. Either he's going to be that Derrick Henry guy where he just like hundred yep. yards every game. Cause he's a bruiser and you don't worry about the lack of passing work. 15 carries in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Beat down defenses with Charbonnet. Yeah. Or he's going to be the change of pace guy for most of his career. It's Which one or the other for me. Yeah. He could be a guy that you have a pass catching back that you want to feature and you give Charbonnet 10 carries a game. Yep. Maybe. Yep. John, I want to thank you for joining me as we do right. every Wednesday. I want to throw out this comment here. You have convinced Jamie that Roshan Johnson is the man. We love to yes. see it. 
It's what we're here for. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here, make sure you like this video and subscribe to Razball. You will catch us every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, folks. Until next time.